morning. It's September 25th. Time for another episode of Spooktember, a daily Halloween prep podcast brought to you by somebody who didn't get to enjoy Halloween last year. Today, we got a really good one for you today. You've been begging for it. You've been asking for it. Today, we're going to talk about Hocus Pocus. Wait. Hang on. Alert. Halloween-themed hacker detected. How could this happen? They're cracking in while I'm recording. Oh, no. They're taking over the sweet and scary listeners of Spooktember. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And we're the hosts of the Drinking and Screaming podcast. Every week we watch a different horror movie and analyze it through a queer and feminist lens and enjoy a cocktail creation that matches its mood and themes. We also end every episode with our newly named Scaredy Facts section where we fill you in on all the delicious trivia of the film. We're commandeering this episode of Spooktember to bring you the top five films to get you in the Halloween spirit. To ensure some variety, we're going with various categories here that we'll reveal along the way. Before we get going, though, with our movie suggestions, I'm going to start us off with the first of my Halloween cocktail duo. We're going for Halloween candy vibes here rather than going directly with a movie inspiration. I thought I would go with, you know, if you're having a movie party with friends, you want to you wanna have some good snacks. Yeah, and you don't want to focus on what you're watching, but just put out candy drinks. So I wanted to have one sour one and one sweet one. Mm. So this first one that we have here is called Sour Candy. I made it with Muddler's Vodka Soda, and I used Sour Puss, which really takes me back. They had <laughs> lots of different flavors, but I chose raspberry, so it has like a really nice hot pink color to it. So to make this drink, it's really, really simple. It's just two ounces of raspberry Sour Puss, one ounce of vodka, and a can of club soda of your choice. Oof. I added a silly straw, too, just to make it more fun. It's so sour. Thanks! It's, it's like, it's not like unbearably sour where you you like lick a lemon and then die for a half hour but like yeah yeah my teeth are rattling a little bit <laughs> it really takes me back to being a child <laughs> good delicious and there's actually no real candy in this drink which is interesting too I was debating doing like a sugar rim on the side oh, or, yeah. or like getting fizzy candy to use. But uh, I think simple is best. Just throw some warheads in here. It's more accessible. <laughs> oh, God, that would make it even more sour. <laughs> or like pop rocks that they would oh. like explode in your mouth. Ah, dang. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to have to speed things up because this is Spooktember, not drinking and screaming. So we're yeah. going We don't have an here. hour. <laughs> we're going quick. We're going real speedy. So the first one we got is is our best family-friendly horror movie, which I chose as Halloween Town. I have never heard of this movie before. (laughs) It's it's the best movie ever. It's my childhood. I love it so, so much. It premiered on October 17th, 1998. It was directed by Dwayne Dunham and written by Paul Birnbaum. And basically, it's like Harry Potter, but for people who love Halloween. But the story is very, very similar. So I have this synopsis from IMDb, which goes, on Halloween, while Marnie is arguing with her mother Gwen, the kids' grandmother, Aggie, comes to visit. Aggie wants to start Marnie's witch training before her 13th birthday, or Marnie will lose her powers forever. But there is another reason for Aggie's visit. Something dark and evil is growing in Halloween Town, and Aggie wants help to defeat it. 
Wait, this does sound familiar now that I think about it. It was very popular. It was on the Family Channel like every Halloween ever. Yeah, I probably watched. I feel like this is one of those movies where if I saw a screenshot of it, I would know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So there are three kids. One of them is just about to turn 13. The other two are a bit younger. And the mom is totally like anti-witch using. She just wants her kids to be normal. But of course, the child in question, Marnie, hears her mom and grandma talk about it. And then she sneaks off with her grandmother to Halloween Town. Nice. So it does sound like Harry Potter. Exactly. <laughs> and then they got to save the world because Halloween Town is is dealing with a very evil man. Mm. I don't want to spoil too much because you got to watch it for yourself. I'm going to make Kelly watch it after we record this. <laughs> but, but it is good if you're in the Halloween mood, but you have some kidlings that you want to watch the movie with. Yeah, exactly. This is definitely the least scary on our list. But still, I don't think ha- having Halloween vibes necessarily means it has to be super scary. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> oh, 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 I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> but my main point about this one is the Harry Potter idea, but also that there are just so many cool costumes and makeup done in this movie that it's really one that's not to miss, even if you're just looking for some costume inspiration. Ooh. Are you ready for some trivia? I am ready for trivia. So why we do trivia every uh, episode of Drinking and Screaming is because when Kelly and I in real life watch horror movies, we would snuggle up in bed together and he'd whip out his phone and go through some fun trivia on IMDb or other movie sites while I slowly drift off to sleep. <laughs> We're just welcoming you into our relationship here. So it's St. Helens, Oregon, which is where the original Halloween Town was filmed. They love to welcome tourists. In fact, they have a month-long Spirit of Halloween Town event to celebrate the October holiday and allow fans of the movie to explore the town. They even try to recreate parts of the set, like the giant jack-o'-lantern in the town square. Oh, that's cool. Which is super awesome. I, If I lived in the States, we're Canadian. I would definitely try and make my way over there. I mean, we're pretty close to Oregon, so I think we could probably make it. <gasps> Don't tell me that. (laughs) And then the other uh, little tidbit I have is that Marnie, Dylan, and Sophie, which are the three kids in the film, were actually named after the writer's own kids, Paul Burnham's kids. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's so sweet. Just sneaking your kids in there. Yeah. So the second category that we want to cover is the best slasher horror. (gasps) And anybody that knows us know that we love Friday the 13th, but we did Friday the 13th part three. It actually premiered on August 13th, 1982 directed by Steve Miner and written by Martin Kittrosser and Carol Watson. The synopsis from IMDb is Jason Voorhees, having barely survived a wound to his shoulder from his own machete, is back to revenge on all that visit his woods. A new group of friends come over to party at an area close to the campsite. This time, Jason will be stronger than ever and getting a hockey mask from one of those friends. (gasps) So Uh, that's like why we chose this movie. Yeah, so the reason that we decided decided to go with part three is that this is like the iconic Jason that everyone should remember, even if they haven't watched the movie, but the one and two don't include that version of Jason. So if you actually wanted to get into Friday the 13th, but weren't sure where to start, we suggest part three because that's more in line where where the series is going. What I love about this one is that there are two actors or two characters in this film. Gloria Charles plays Fox and Larry Zerner plays Shelley. And both of them are featured in the Friday the 13th game. 
I thought that was super, super cool. Fox is a biker in this film, and she actually passed away right as they were putting her likeness into the video game. Oh, yeah, they asked her family for permission, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And she's such a badass, so I love that her family wanted her to be in it still. And then Shelly is the kid in the movie who kind of gives Jason the hockey mask accidentally. He plays pranks on all the kids and does... um, like, it's fun spooks for a little while until people start showing up dead. Yeah. He's an actor, too. So he does, like, movie prop effects on himself to scare people into thinking that he's injured or dead. And then later on, he actually gets killed. So. <laughs> and then the funny thing about this movie, part three of the Friday the 13th franchise, is that it's when uh, 3D started to be a fun little yeah. thing. <laughs> so it's great to watch on a regular TV from modern age without the 3D glasses on, but you still get to see the pitchfork come right to your eyeballs. Or the guy's eyes pop directly towards the screen. (laughs) So our trivia for this movie is that to prevent the film's plot being leaked, the production used the fake title Crystal Japan after a David Bowie song, which is why I included it, because I know Kelly loves David Bowie. Yeah. So it began an on-again, off-again tradition of giving up the Friday the 13th films that they were filming David Bowie song titles to stay under the radar. Ooh. And part three is the only Friday the 13th film in which none of the characters actually say the name Jason. So we think that it's probably because part three takes place about a day after part two. So his huge legend story of killing all the teens hasn't really gone to the public eye yet. So people don't even know who he is. But the audience does. Our next category is the best campy horror. And this one is something that's near and dear to Kelly's heart. (laughs) The Cabin in the Woods. Hell yeah. Premiered on April 13th in 2012, it's directed by Drew Goddard and written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard. The synopsis from IMDb states, When five college friends arrive at a remote forest cabin for a little vacation, little do they expect the horrors that await them. One by one, the youths fall victim to backwoods zombies. But there is another factor at play. Two scientists are manipulating the ghoulish goings-on, but even as the body count rises, there is yet more at work than meets the eye. Mm. So my fun tidbit here is that when I first watched this movie, it was before I had really gotten into horror that much and it happened to be playing on TV so I was expecting a true like jump scare classic of the 2010s but it wasn't that and I wasn't really reading the camp it really wasn't what I was expecting and it just made me hate it so then I I told Kelly about that and this is one of his favorite movies and right as soon as I mentioned it he insisted that we watch it again this is like how many years this is after we've watched a few slasher flicks now yeah it's and um, way later from me watching it the first time around and it was like seeing a completely new movie. Plus, it has Jesse Williams in it from uh, Grey's Anatomy and Detroit Become Human. I love that actor. Mm-hmm. And my point is actually very similar to yours, is which that I watched this movie back when I was like too scared to actually watch horror movies. And my friend kind of convinced me to watch it. And I don't even think he saw it yet. So he thought he was just getting me into like a, a spooky slasher flick. Yeah. And so I took the risk and I was actually surprisingly... Uh, into it when I watched it. And I think this movie actually helped me get over my fear of horror movies because it was very approachable in the like comedy horror stylings. Oh, cool. I actually kind of get the same vibe as, as like people who were around my age around like Ash 
versus the Evil Dead. Yep. Probably ran into a lot of the same situations. And uh, I did the trivia for this. And there's a little bit of spoilers. So anyone who hasn't seen the movie may maybe watch that. But it's very light spoilers. So during the lake scene, the only student not to jump into the lake is Marty, who's like the stoner character. And he remained fully clothed on the deck. This was partially due to the fact that the actor was extremely fit. Just totally jacked beyond the other male students who were supposed to be like the jocks. Oh my God. And so rather than take off his shirt and kind of like ruin the demeanor of like stoner junkie kind of character, they had him not only not take off his clothes ever, but also wear extremely baggy clothes because <laughs> it would have just ruined his character. Cause isn't the guy who plays Thor in this too? Yes. Chris, yeah. Chris Hemsworth is the like jock character. <laughs> Uh, and my second fact is during the iconic shot of all of the killers and monsters and stuff in the elevator, you can actually, for a brief moment, see a tank, witch, boomer, and hunter from the game series Left for Dead. And the reason for this was that they actually planned in a tie-in expansion where you had to escape from the woods, the cabin, and the facility from the movie, but as the Left for Dead characters, but unfortunately the tie-in was canceled due to MGM financial problems, Aww. which would have been awesome especially but they did keep the characters in there yeah they still kept all the models from the game oh that's in so that movie. cool yeah i cut you off you were gonna say especially uh i think it would have been cool if they actually like had the characters from cabin in the woods in left for dead but that seems like a, a far stretch yeah well that's kind of like what dead by daylight's doing nowadays yeah Alrighty, uh it's time my friends for our second drink i have finished my first drink very so it's good. perfect timing very good this one's called the tootsie pop for those of you who have not had said candy, it's a lollipop, but filled with the Tootsie candy inside. So that's like a chocolatey. How do you describe a Tootsie Roll? Uh, like a chocolate a chewy fruit? nougat, like a, a chocolate nougat. So I made this drink out of basically it's mostly chocolate milk. It's about five ounces of chocolate milk, one ounce of Mad Dog's single malt white spirit and one ounce of creme de cassis, which is a black currant liqueur. Once you get down into like halfway through the lollipop, you can really start to taste the chocolate Tootsie Roll and the fruitiness of the lollipop on the outside. Oh, Kelly, do you hate it? I don't. I don't like. I don't. I don't really like this at all. What? <laughs> I haven't tasted it yet. Wait, I'm going to try mine. Oh, man. <laughs> no, that tastes like a Tootsie Pop. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm sad that you don't like it. I think it's interesting. It's a bit. The chocolate milk is thicker than I would assume a normal cocktail to really feel like. This is not a Kelly drink, I think. <laughs> This is definitely a shard drink. It is totally a Tootsie Pop, though. It's an alcoholic Tootsie Pop. I'd also like to take this moment to talk about our socials. You can find us on Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook and Instagram at drink and scream, and email us drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon that you can go to if you'd like to support us in exchange for some amazing rewards, including bonus episode, swag, Discord rewards and drink recipe cards. You can go to patreon.com slash drink and scream to find that. Usually we don't reveal our full recipes in our episodes, but for Gavin and Spooktember, we made the exception. You can find Gavin on Twitter at the pod report. Oh my God, I hate this drink. <laughs> we, You're making it sound worse than it is. Tell me why you don't like it. Tell me your thoughts besides just not liking it. I think it's the creme de cassis is too strong. I think one ounce might be too much for creme de cassis. I think it would be good with the malt and the chocolate milk and then maybe a hint of creme de cassis. But uh, yeah, this, uh, this, uh, this uh, 
For those of you who don't know, we also have a rule on our podcast where you have to finish the drink of the <laughs> that you are given in front of you. So if you do not like it, tough luck. And even for this extra bonus episode, I am living by that rule, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so our next category is best Canadian horror because we some Canadian boys and girls. Heck yeah. And this was my choice and I chose Cube. It came out September 9th, 1997 for the Toronto International Film Festival. It was directed by Vincenzo Natale. I think that's. I would have said it, Vincenzo. That's interesting. I think you're right, though. You have you have the, more of the Italian background. Oof. And it was written by Andre Bajelic. Sure. And Vincenzo Natale. Goof. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the synopsis is six different people, each from a different walk of life, awake to find themselves inside a giant cube with thousands of possible rooms. Each has a skill that becomes clear when they must band together to get out. A cop, a math whiz, a building designer, a doctor, an escape master, and a disabled man. Each plays a part in their thrilling quest to find answers as to why they've been imprisoned. Ooh. So... I have a little bit of a backstory to this movie. I remember when I was a kid, I used to flip through the channels for, I'm just going to say it, some nudities to look at. And <laughs> I remember hitting, it was probably like HBO or something like that. And like the post credit or the post um, commercials thing popped up where it's like, this movie might contain some nudity. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to stick around to see what happens. And this, of course, was before I ever liked horror movies and I was a scaredy cat. So it was just these people hanging out in this cubed room. And I was like, OK, this seems interesting. And then out of the blue, some guy gets shot in the face with acid and his face melts off in a very horrifying manner. Holy cow. And since then, I've definitely been scarred about this movie. But uh, <laughs> I actually went back and watched it not too long ago. And I think it still holds up. It's definitely Canadian, which like, if you know me, I always dump on Canadian movies about being just like bad acting and stuff but in terms of Canadian movies I think this is pretty high up on there uh, and my trivia facts for this considering it's a very small trivia list for this very old movie which is interesting usually it's the opposite yeah exactly so to show their support for the Toronto film industry the special effects company core actually did all of the digital effects for free which you know, never happens nowadays. What? Seriously? Yeah. That's... Sorry, my mouth was full of drink, so I couldn't answer you. But that is crazy. Yeah, that is that's unheard of, which is amazing. And my second fact is that the entire movie is actually split into different styles of rooms. There's red rooms and white rooms, but the entire movie was actually filmed in one room in terms of oh. like the set. And so to film the different colors, they actually swapped out gel panels to change what it looked like. But it was such a time-consuming process that they filmed the entire red rooms first and then the white rooms. But the actors hated filming in the red room. So by the halfway point of filming, they were much more relaxed because they actually loved filming in the white rooms. I guess that could be very annoying to con consistently be bombarded with like red lights. Yeah, I imagine it's very draining on your spirit to yeah. sit in just bad room. Our last but certainly not least category is the best zombie horror. Ooh. I chose this one, but I'm pretty sure Kelly would believe, or not believe, but agree with me. Mm. We chose Train to Busan. It was released on May 13th in 2016 at the Cannes Film Festival. Is that how you say it? Can. Damn it. <laughs> I remember this came out last time. <laughs> it was released on May 13th, 2016 at the Cannes Film Festival, directed by Sang Ho Young and written by Ju Suk Park. 
So the synopsis that I stole from IMDb says, Sok Woo, a father with not much time for his daughter, Sue Ann, are boarding the KTX, a fast train that shall bring them from Seoul to Busan. But during their journey, the apocalypse begins and most of the Earth's population become flesh-craving zombies. While the KTX is shooting towards Busan, the passengers fight for their families and lives against the zombies and each other. The synopsis gives me more information than the movie did. I didn't realize the entire Earth was infected. I thought it was just Korea. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess they were, yeah. I don't know. Unless, you know, for Korean people, Korea is the Earth. Well, I mean, it would spread so fast. I guess, but anyways. It's I'm, like any apocalypse movie. It's happening everywhere. They made it seem very local in the movie. This is by far my all-time favorite zombie movie. The child who plays Sue Ann, her name is also Sue Ann, Sue Ann Kim, is the best child actor I have ever seen. And this <laughs> movie makes, a mild spoiler, because sad ending, it makes me cry every time we watch it, without fail. I know it's coming, and I still burst into tears. We watch it at least once a year, and the plot, the action that happens, the character development is all so incredibly well done. I almost don't want to go into too much detail of why I love it so much. You just got to watch it. I feel like that's always like a thing with movies is that even though you know what makes you cry is coming, you're thinking of it so much as you're watching the movie. We're like, I don't want this to happen. I just want them to be happy this time. Yeah. My point for this is it's actually one of the uh, movies that I'll show to people to figure out whether or not I like them. That's great. So if you don't like this movie, I don't think we can be friends. It's actually a really good movie, even for people who don't like zombie movies, because just the direction and the the pacing of the movie is so well done that it just holds up as a film in its own right. Mm-hmm. And the zombies are almost like supplementary, I would say. And it's actually not even too, too gory. So if you are just thinking about getting into zombie movies, this is actually a really good movie to start out with. That's so true. And like they do really have great special effects, but you're right. It's not overly hard to look at or anything. Yeah, a lot of the special effects are even practical. So like maybe the scariest thing is the choreography of the zombies where it's a lot of like twitching and stuff, but a lot of it's just not... It's not gashing wounds or ripped off faces like The Walking Dead. It's just like a little bit of blood and some veins growing on their arms and stuff like that. Yeah, these so are fresh zombies. Just just this, just the quality, fresh, GMO-free zombies. <laughs> I did the trivia for this section. So, uh, fun fact, the actor Dong Suk Ma, who's the man with uh, the pregnant wife, one of Kelly's favorite. He's so cool. Characters. He used to be Yu Gong's personal trainer. Yu Gong's the main the father. Yeah, that's how he actually got the role is that he was the personal trainer for this actor and it turned out he was also an actor and then he got hired for acting. And now Crazy. He's, he's like such a, he's such a rad Korean actor. He's like the Chris Hemsworth. Who's the Thor from Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, I think that's right. He's like Chris Hemsworth, but Korean. Yeah. My last fact is that the director of Train to Busan, Sang Ho Young, this movie is his first live action film. All of his previous works were animated features. And he actually made an animated prequel to this movie called Soul Station, which came out in 2016, released less than a month after Train to Busan was released. Oh, that's cool. So we're going to probably do an episode on that for Drinking and Screaming, a bonus episode. Nice. But that's crazy. Yeah. Such a good live action for his first one. They're also, you didn't put this as a trivia fact, but they're also making a Train to Busan too. Which I am so hyped for. I mean, you know... I hope it's done well. 
And that's it. So let us know which ones from the list you thought were your faves. Are you going to snuggle up with a, a partner or a snuggle up under a blankie with some scented candles, create a cocktail, and watch some spooky movies? I'm also so, so grateful that Gavin let us do this special episode for him. I know that, Char, you're a huge fan of his podcast, and it's so cool that he let us be a special episode. Woohoo! Thanks, Gavin! <laughs> <laughs> and remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye! Wow, that, that catchphrase sure beats the hell out of uh, keep it real, keep it scary. I love it. Wow. If you want to listen to more drinking and screaming with full-length episodes and way more topics drinking and screaming on your favorite podcatcher of choice also i want to ask you to follow spooktember on twitter or instagram at spooktember pod because the final day of spooktember is coming ever closer september 30th i got nothing to do that night i got nothing to do the morning of october 1st so why don't we ring out this wonderful month of podcasting with a live stream now i don't know if this is going to be a discord thing where we all hop in voice chat and i'll just like live stream jackbox i'm gonna make a huge pack of halloween related quiplash quotes for us to play with that'll be really fun there'll be some podcasters hanging out there'll be some friends of mine it'll be really cool it might be like a legit twitch stream that's like so we can do more stuff and i might like have a webcam set up and things that might be cool we'll we're we're figuring it out because i'm kind of throwing this together at the last moment Point being, at SpooktemberPod on Twitter or on Instagram. That will be where I announce more details as we get closer. And I will just tease right now, if you cannot attend the final like live stream thing of the Spooktember season, I will say the last episode of SpooktemberPod is going to be over an hour long. It's going to be myself and a dear friend talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I had not seen until about 18 hours before we recorded. It's the most explicit episode. It has the most swearing, the most frank language, and we just talk about Rocky Horror and try to process it for an hour. It's really fun. It's going to be a really good episode once I've edited it. Edited it. And if you can't attend the live stream on September 30th, there's still going to be a good-sized chunk of Spooktember fun to round out this month. Thank you so much, everyone, who's been along on this journey. I am, I'm looking forward to the end of this so I don't have to upload every single day for a little bit. But also, like, I really miss it. I'm already, I'm already kind of sad I don't have more episode slots to fill because there's all these ideas. So who knows? Who knows what the future brings? Maybe another holiday will be taken on by this podcast, or maybe we'll just be back next year. Either way, I'll see you tomorrow. But remember, keep it real keep it scary. It's it's hard to do keep it real, keep it scary after after that drinking and screaming outro. That was a really good outro. Congratulations on that one. All right, I'm going to go. Bye. Love you. Call me when you get home. <laughs>